But wow, what a story, right? Praise God. Uh, when I heard Lisa's story, uh, someone was telling me about uh, some of the things she was, go- was going on in her life. I just thought, man, we've got to get her in to share with us. And I'm so glad that she was able to. And I know that you've been encouraged uh, by her story and what Jesus Christ can do with a life. Amen. Amen. Uh, you may be in here and maybe you've got a spouse that uh, doesn't love Jesus and you've been working on him or her for years and years. Listen, don't ever give up. God answers prayers and no one is so far away that Jesus Christ cannot reach them. He can change them. He can change you. He can change us all. Amen? That's good. I feel like we've already preached but we haven't. we got a lot to do today. So turn your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 5. As you're turning there, let me say happy Father's Day to all the dads. Yeah. It's okay to clap for dads. we got a great sermon for dads today. You'd think we planned this, but we didn't. But we're going to be talking about wives submitting to husbands and children submitting to their parents, so it's a great Father's Day. Uh, if you are a dad, please, in the lobby, we've got uh, sweet tea glasses and coffee mugs for you with a, a, a quote from our Song of Solomon series that we did not too long ago, so please grab that. It's a free gift to you, uh, and we love you dads. Number two, let me just, I just want to brag on Jesus a little bit today, if I can. He's good. He's good, and... Uh, I, want, I want to just share some things with you that have been happening in our church. You know, before the COVID hit and we had to stop meeting, uh, we, were, we were just in a great place. Everything was up. God's just really been doing a work in our church. He's been growing us. And, you know, COVID hits, and we didn't know what was going to happen. Uh, we were uh, in position to hire three new staff members at that time in February. Had already had three different Interviews, but then COVID hits and we can't meet, so we got to put the brakes on all of that. But let me brag on Jesus by saying this He's doing a work in His people because even though our church has been shut down for a couple months, our finances have actually grown. Can you believe that? Praise God! How does that happen? How does that happen? God's people love to worship God. That's how it happens. You don't have to twist arms. You don't have to beg pretty please. I don't have to call you every week. Hey, don't forget to pay your tithes. Don't have to do that, right? God works in his people. His people love him, and they love him not just with their hands and not just with their mouth, but they love him with their wallets, and God is good. Our finances have grown, Uh, so we just this past week went back to those three staff positions, and the elders decided to bring Erin Mims on as our new children's director. Uh, She starts Tuesday. Yeah! Very excited about that. By the way, we are ramping kids back up. July 12th is where we're going to get rid of this ticket nonsense and have kids and just get back to to worshiping Jesus together as his people. Uh, So all of that is happening. Uh, Also this week, needy family came to us. We were able to buy them a car. God's good. God's good. You did that. God did that through his people. And I just want you to know he's... He's working. He's working in people. He's working in our community. And he's using us as his people in this community. And I'm excited about it. And I want you to be excited about it. 
I had Scott Valiani uh, make this up. I hope everyone got one of these when you walked in the church. Uh, because this is doing something in me. And I don't want, I don't want Ephesians chapters 4 and the beginning of 5 to just be one of those sermons. Well, Oh, that was a good sermon. And then we forget. We, we leak, don't we? We need constant reminders. So I had him print this out in bookmark fashion. These are the six movements that God is calling us to move from the old life to new life in Christ. These are powerful. Uh, put these in your Bible uh, a couple times a week. Get this out. Meditate on these things. As you meditate on these things, there's going to be that poke from the Holy Spirit when, when, when harmful speech to edifying speech. Ooh, that conversation I just had with my brother-in-law, I was not edifying, right? Allow the Holy Spirit to not just, right, when we hear God's truth, we sense it in our hearts, we know it's true, and we say amen, and praise God for amen, but praise God also for the hard soul work we need to do together as his people because there is a unity he's given us and we are to work to attain it. And that's what the last two weeks have been about, working to attain this unity that he has already given us in Jesus Christ as his body, his men, his women, his sons, his daughters. As we grow now into Ephesians chapter 5, we move from this 30,000 foot view of how we are to be growing so that you and I, we can encourage one another and sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. But now we're getting down to the, the, the basic units of life, the family. Right? We reflect well as this body, but we also reflect well at home with the ones that we love the most. Amen. So let's pray, and we're going to get into Ephesians chapter 5, beginning in verse 22. Oh, Father, thank you. Thank you for a wonderful service already. Thank you for the worship, uh, Father, how we were ministered to. Thank you for uh, Ray and the great job he did leading us in, in repentance and in prayer. Father, thank you for the story, Lisa Chandler's story. It's, we're, just, we're encouraged, Father. Father, now as we go to your word, I pray that you would continue your work of encouragement. Build us up. Raise us up. We want to be who you've called us to be. So continue to pour your word into us and may it bear fruit. It is in Jesus' name we pray these things that everybody said. Amen. I just feel good. Wives, submit to your own husbands. Let's stop there. Come on, you got to have a little fun with that, right? So let me actually read verses 22 through 24. Wives, submit to your own husbands as... Now, actually, go back up to 21 real quick, because we've just gone through uh, this, this beautiful work that God does in his people and how we're not going to be drunk with wine, but we're going to be filled with the Spirit so we can encourage one another, that continual filling of the Spirit... And then verse 21 says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So there is this 
overwhelming submission we are all to have to one another because we are the people of God. We submit to one another. We don't fight with one another. We don't hold bitterness towards one another, right? No, we, we learn to be kind. We forgive one another. There's a mutual submission that should be in the body of Christ because we recognize that everyone in the body is important to the body with Christ as our head who we're making known uh, in the world. We need elbows. We need hands. We All of us need all of us. So there's a, a mutual submission. But now we're moving from the, the body of Christ to our local families in verse 22. The family, by the way, the building block of society. Right? We, we want change out there. Change first starts in here, then change begins at our homes, and then change uh, is here with us as God's people, and then change begins to move out from there. This is the way that God has created and formed things to work. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. Underline that, as to the Lord. Notice it doesn't say, I told you I was going to read to verse 24, I lied. As to the Lord, underline it. It doesn't say, wives, submit to your husbands because they're so much better than you. It doesn't say that, does it? We know that wouldn't be true. Wives, sub submit to your husbands because they're the greatest. No, submit to your husbands because the Lord Jesus is the greatest. Submit to your husbands as to the Lord, everything that we're going to read today about how our families should look and operate is grounded in the salvation, the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are certain ways we are to act so that we can honor our Lord. We can honor his salvation, his plans, his will in this world. It is for his sake we live uh, in this way. It's for his sake that we're, we're moving from, from uh, bitterness to kindness, from sexual immorality to marriage. It's, it's, it's to glorify him with our, not just our voice, but with our lives. Submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body, and is himself its savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. If you've ever picked up a systematic theology book, which... A lot of you have, and some of you just found Ephesians, so it's okay. You'll get there. All right, there is a, there's a word called functional subordination. You know, the way things are here on this earth is not the way they're going to be forever. Eternity is going to be a much different place. Did you know there's not even marriage in eternity? Jesus uh, lets us in on that little secret because when we uh, leave this body, we, we go to eternity uh, to be with him. We're going to be like the angels, neither marrying or being given in marriage. There's no marriage in heaven. But, but here on earth, God has a plan and a will for human society to flourish and to grow. And that begins with the family and how our families look and operate here are designated and specified by God himself. Just like the Trinity, God himself 
has given different roles to his distinct persons. We have God the Father in the Bible that we read about. And he is, he is the one who wills all things. It is his plan. So he reveals himself as a father who has this plan for his creation. And then he designated the second person of the triune Godhead, Jesus Christ, designated him as his son. The son who was going to come, the God who was going to become flesh and dwell uh, as a human being on this earth. He was going to do it uh, in a way that none of us have. He was going to live perfect in human flesh so that he could die in our place for our sins. It was God the Father's will for Jesus to subjugate himself and to submit to the Father's will so that we could have a gospel and we could look to a cross for salvation that God has purchased for us through his son Jesus and then God tells the the third person of his distinct Godhead the Holy Spirit he sends Jesus remember he ascends back into heaven and he and the father both send the spirit to you and I so that and what is the Holy Spirit's role to make much of Jesus in our hearts and through our lives. His only role, the Holy Spirit never shows up and says, I'm the Holy Spirit, worship me. No, the Holy Spirit is always pointing us to Jesus. Now listen, the Holy Spirit is not less God than Jesus, amen? Jesus isn't less God than the Father, amen? They are all three God. They are all three equally God, but yet they reveal themselves with distinct roles in relationship to us here in time and space. Is everybody tracking? One God, three persons, three distinct roles. The Holy Spirit submitting to Christ the Son, submitting to the Father, even though they're all equally God. This is functional subordination for this time and this place for these purposes. We see these same roles divvied out within marriage. A wife is, and we've read Genesis already. We know that both male and female were made in the image and likeness of God. Both equal in dignity, honor, value, worth. So so men, the Bible does not teach that men are better than women. That's chauvinism, and that's a sin, amen? The Bible doesn't teach that women are better than men. That's feminism, and that is a sin, amen? But what the Bible does teach is he makes a man and a woman, and they beautifully complement one another so that they can glorify God together. And within the roles of a, a husband and a wife coming together, the wife is told her role that she's given is to submit to the husband, not because the husband is better, not because God is sexist, not because a chauvinism uh, should be taken from this. And listen, I don't know of any good marriage where the husband walks around beating his chest like King Kong all the time. If you're reading that and it's causing your chest, man, I'm in charge, you're going to wreck your marriage. <laughs> Right? Do not be that guy. But ladies, the, the command is true and it's real. And I'm so thankful that my wife's sitting down here. She sits in every service. Anybody, I don't know how she sits through. 
And she loves us. She just, man, she's awesome. And she doesn't submit to me and my leadership, my decision making because she thinks I'm smarter. She knows I'm not. This woman's got a master's degree. She's a smart lady. She certainly doesn't need my help. She can, what's the old Superman line? She can jump over buildings with a single bound. And if you guys know my wife, she is a red, fiery go-getter. She can get the job done. She doesn't need a lot of help. But she willfully and intelligently we sit down when we make decisions and she's there, she's part, she, she is heard because I love her. But when it comes down to, okay, we've got to decide, she willfully backs down and allows me to lead our family and, and have the responsibility that God has given me. She allows me to wear it, to, to shoulder it. She does so intelligently. Why? Because she loves God. Why submit to your husband? As to the Lord, not because I won't drive our family off a cliff. Sometimes she thinks I'm going to do that. There are times she wants to grab the wheel, just like Genesis tells us is going to happen. But I'm so thankful. I'm, man, I'm, it's Father's Day. Just let me have a moment. I'm thankful for you, baby. Amen. She was up early this morning making sure my gifts for Father's Day were ready. She just, she, I love her. And our marriage works because we do things God's way. We're not perfect people. Oh! <laughs> right? But when we open God's word and when we try to do things God's way, things work. God honors of the working of his word in, in, in us as people and in our families. Wives, it is your role within the family. God made the husband different than he made the woman. He made the husband bigger, a little stronger, not so we could abuse like some men, like we heard about in Lisa Chandler's story. That's, that's awful. But God made the man bigger so they could steward the leadership responsibilities that God has given us so that we can protect and provide. And we need wives who allow us to do this. Now, as the church, and as the church, verse 24, as the church submits to Christ, so also the wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Why is that submission also given to the women so? That the world can see what we're going to see at the end of the chapter 5 here is this marriage and the way God wants us to be married, the way he wants us to act, this is a gospel issue. It reflects the gospel. As wives submit to their husband, we live in a world where who would, who would do that? People think we're crazy already. They come in and they hear a sermon like this and they go out and they beat their feminist mantras. The world should see, though, a wife submitting to her husband. And in that is a picture of the church, all of us, submitting to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It honors and reflects the gospel when we live as God has called us to live. Now, before husbands, fathers, you think you got off the hook, let's go to verse 25 now. Husbands, love, wives, submit to your husbands. Okay, good sermon. Let's go. 
No, there's more for these household codes that Paul gives his, the church of Jesus Christ to live in. Husbands, love your wives. You know what that, you know how that machismo dies? You know how, how we stop walking around like King Kong? Woman, you better listen, you better respect my authority. Right? You know how that dies? When, we are, when men honor the role that God has given them. What does he say to do? Love your wives. We're, we're going to read in a second, but I love this little part down here. It says, he who loves his wife loves himself. Man, that is smart. That is good, solid truth. If you're married, you know. Honeymoon is very short. And you are looking across the room at someone who is an individual and they are not like you. They don't like to do some of the things that you like to do and they're going to let you know about it. Marriage is tough. Even two people becoming one flesh. It's tough. How is it going to work? Wives, submit to your husband. And husbands, love your wives. And that's not just lip service. That's not just saying, I love you. Look what that entails. Because again, this is grounded in the salvation of God. Love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. We've all heard the old adage, how much did Jesus love the church? This much. Right? Jesus walked that road carrying his cross. He did it for his people, his church. He loved us to the point of laying down his own life so that we could have life. He's forgiving the people that are murdering him so that you and I could know him, be changed by him. Husbands, Love your wives like Christ loved us. Sacrificially doing anything and everything they can for her well-being. Listen, some of you are out there, I know. I had a buddy one time that told me. So we, were, we had been married maybe three or four years. And, you know, a marriage is tough, so we were having some issues. And I was talking to him about it. And he said, listen... Who your wife is, the first seven years of your marriage, is her parents' fault. (laughs) Then he said, who your wife is after seven years of marriage, well, that's on you. That's your fault. Right? Some of you are out there saying, Brent, you don't understand my wife. What you need to do is get your eyes off her and open your own chest and say, am I loving her well? Because... A woman is lovely when she is loved well. Right? Those cantankerous old... Right? Us guys, we want to grow up to be sweet old men, right? Ladies, we want you to grow up to be sweet old ladies. Men, it's on us. When God comes into the garden, Adam and Eve both sin and they're both hiding. But who does he call out? Adam, where are you we have a role we have a responsibility and our as we love our wives they will become more lovely if we're loving them the same way that Jesus Christ loves us 
that he may sanctify her, set her apart, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Your love for your wife should reflect the love that Jesus Christ had. And look at what he's doing to us right now. And he is sanctifying us. We, we open this book and we dig down in here because we want as his people to be changed by his word. What, what can change is the Holy Spirit through the word of God. He is sanctifying us and washing us and making us holy men and women. And in marriage, men, this is your responsibility to, to love your wife and to wash her with God's word so that she may grow into becoming more beautiful and more holy before God. What he does for us men, he calls you to do for your wives. So women, allow, submit to this, this leadership that God has given the man. And men, may we love well so that our marriages become more lovely to this world. And in this way, again, we see the gospel the church's submission to Jesus and Jesus' love, care, and concern for his people. In the same way, verse 28, already alluded to this, but it's, this is a great, this is a coffee cup one. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourished nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church because we are members of his body. I mean, there's just some duh moments, right? Just duh. Husbands, if you're not loving your wives, you are killing yourself. Or do you hate yourself? Love your wife. Then Paul, as everywhere marriage is spoken of in Scripture, whether it's Jesus speaking in the Gospels or Paul speaking here in Ephesians, everything goes back and wraps itself up in the Genesis creation story because what God has done is true all the time in every place for every person. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. You know what I love about modern sociology? Eventually, they always catch up to what the Bible says. There was a book several years ago called Men Are From Mars, Women Are From Venus. You remember that one? I've read a lot of those books. It's helped a little bit, right? <laughs> but it's amazing to me how through empirical scientific enterprise... These smart, learned people with all these degrees will say things so profound, like men and women are different. 
women, there is a, a deep need for a woman to feel loved. The same way there is a deep need within men for us to feel respected. You know, when affairs do occur in our lives, it's usually because one of those things are not happening at home. If a man doesn't feel respect at home, sometimes uh, he'll come to work and and there's a a secretary who will show him respect and he's attracted to that respect. And before you know it, something really bad is happening. Why? Because we're not living as God commands. Women need to be loved and men need to feel respect. It's how God made us. It's how we are designed. So when we live according to his plan and his way, the family flourishes and everyone's needs are met as the woman, as the wife shows respect and as the the husband lovingly leads and sacrifices for his wife and for his family. This is God's design for marriage. And some of you in this room, you may be saying, well, Brent, man, I think we're too far gone. I I think we're too far off course. There is no such thing as being too far. God's help His spirit is for you today. Maybe the past has looked much different from this, but guess what? From this point forward, you can be empowered to live as God commands. It's not too late for you to be a one-woman man, a one-tree man. Amen. Everybody forgot Song of Solomon already. Let's move down to kids now. Chapter 6. Children, praise God for this verse. (laughs) Children, obey, praise God. You know, for any society to work, there's got to be some written constitution, some law that everyone agrees upon and says we will follow these rules. That's how society flourishes and is blessed. Don't you want that for your family? Don't you want there to be God's word that we're all submitting to and for children to obey your parents in the Lord, again, grounded in the gospel. For this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment that comes with a promise that it may go well with you and thou mayest live long on the earth. I got a little King James in me. I memorized that verse. My parents made me memorize that verse as a kid and we were King James people. But it's a promise, children, if you obey your parents, right? God makes a promise to you. Things are going to go well for you. You're going to have a good, long life. Obedience, submission is part of human life for all of us. God gives parents to children so they can learn that obedience and submission young. Because how many of you know, when you learn it young, It's a lot easier to obey God when you're old and no one's there watching over you to make sure you do everything the right way. God gives parents so children can learn obedience young so when they go into the room and shut the door and no one's looking, they can still submit to the will of God because they've learned in the home what obedience looks like. 
It's when we don't have parents and when, when no one learns obedience that life gets, gets dark and bad and we make bad choices and decisions and life gets derailed and off track. Parents, we have a responsibility. Dads, we have a responsibility. I know we've all grown up in church where we send the kids out to the back rooms, but that is only a ministry to help your kids in age-appropriate settings. The responsibility for their obedience to you and their obedience to God falls on your shoulders. Spank that kid. (laughs) Spare the rod. Spoil the child. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Fathers, verse 4. Look, I'm going to get emails about that spanking thing. But notice, any kind of, whatever form of discipline you choose for your family, there does need to be some form of discipline. And it's not out of angry hearts. right? We're not... uh, you know, you we're not military dictators, dads. We're not to provoke our children. We're not to be so hard on them that you know, the family's like a military operation. It's not what God calls for. God calls for loving discipline. He, as our father, who doesn't, what good father doesn't discipline his children because he loves them. He wants good for them. He wants blessing for their lives. So don't provoke them to wrath. But in the same way, bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It is our responsibility to make sure our children understand the gospel and how human life should look in this world. You teach them obedience when they're young. And they will be able to obey God when they're out on their own. That's just just beautiful truth, amen? Now, let's go to bond servants and masters. And I'll tell you what, I'm just going to read verse 5 all the way through verse 9, and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. Bond servants, that word in the Greek, by the way, is doulos. Uh, it's a really unfortunate word because it can mean several different things, but all of them uh, have some kind of mastery. Uh, it can be translated bond servant, as it is here, servant. It can even be translated slave. Bond servants, obey your earthly masters with fear and trembling, with a sincere heart as you would Christ. So again, even this is grounded in the gospel. So if you've got somebody who you work for and they're your master, you serve them as you would serve Christ. Not because they're great, because Christ is great. Not by the way of eye service, as people pleasers. Every one of you who work in a corporate America, you know that one brown noser. Oh, sir, can I get that door for you? Oh, would you like some coffee? How many pumps of sugar would you like? Shut up. Everybody hates that people pleaser. Don't do it as people pleasers, as brown nosers, but as bond servants of Christ. Doing the will of God from the heart, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to man. Knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or is free. Masters, do the same to them and stop your threatening. 
knowing that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven and that there is no partiality with him. So both the servant and the master are spoken to in this section about how they are to treat one another. Now, first thing, let me just say, all right, because we already live in a racially charged America right now. Scripture never condones or promotes slavery. Did everyone hear that? There's no verse in the Bible. I know there are some people in the antebellum South that tried to use Bible verses to justify slavery. There is nothing in the Bible that condones or promotes or makes slavery an institution. That's not what is happening here. At the same time, God does speak into a broken world that has broken systems. And the ancient world, listen, slavery, we we talk a lot about slavery as if it just happened in like the last couple hundred years. Slavery has been around from the very beginning. You don't even get out of Genesis before you see slavery being a reality in this world. Slavery is still a reality in this world. Did you know that every nation, every country, every people group have, have suffered in some kind of slavery at some point in history? The slaves we read about in the Roman world, these are, these are most likely white people who are serving. They've gotten into debt and they couldn't pay off their debt. So them and their children will come into the work of a master and they'll work to pay off that debt. That's what was happening. That's the system here in Ephesians 6 that Paul is speaking into. And he says to those who have become indebted to someone else, hey, work hard. Work as you would for Jesus Christ. And hey, if you're, if you're a master, if you've got somebody who's indebted to you and they're working for you, you better treat them well because in God's eyes, you may be the master here on earth, but you're the same in the eyes of God. And that is the command too. And listen, right? the scripture teaches very clearly when we do get indebted, right? Debt is a slave master, right? We all have jobs for a reason, right? No? Okay, you don't have bills to pay? All right. We need as employees, as people living in this world, I got two bug guys that come to my house. One's name is Gene. I like Gene. Gene goes through the garage. Gene takes down all the cobwebs. Gene puts the little lizard catchers uh, on the garage door. He takes it, man. He comes out there and it's 35 minutes, 40 minutes, and he'll talk with me. I like Gene. Gene does a good job. Then there's this other guy. I don't even know his name because he won't talk to me. He comes, he's on the property, and 15 minutes later, he's gone. I don't know where he is. He didn't say a word. Right? I like Gene. <laughs> Who do we need to be like in this world? Because we got kids depending on us. We got employers depending on us. If you're a small business owner, you, you, you depend on you. Nothing like a small business. They're all, they all are hard workers, right? Because it's their business they're building. 
But wherever you find yourself this morning, when when you are called upon to produce work, produce something that is glorious, produce something so well, so that God will be glorified through your work. And if you find yourself where you are employing others, James chapter 5 is super important. We're not to use them and abuse them for our own glory, for our own greed. We are to treat them well. We will answer to God if we do not. So in our families, in our children, and in our lives, everything we do, we should do to the glory of God. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. Teach your children to obey your rules and discipline them so they will, when they're out on their own, they will be able to honor and obey God. And may we produce good work with our hands that makes people say, I like Gene, so that God will be glorified. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for today. Thank you for your word. God, thank you that you don't leave us blind, deaf, and dumb. You tell us exactly how our lives are supposed to work. And we love you for it. Father, help us now. Empower us to remember your word. May we not go out. May we not look in the mirror and then turn away and forget what we look like. May we not leave this place forgetting your word. But may you keep it in our hearts. May we meditate on it. May we chew on it. And may we be changed in the process. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you guys so much for being here today. Happy Father's Day. I know what I'm doing when I get home, and it's going to be glorious. I hope you enjoy your day as well. We're going to do 125 tickets next week. 150 the week after that, and then we're done with tickets July 12th. So, love you. Thank you for everything. Godspeed.